listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. Welcome to a brand new episode of the 9to5 Entertainment System. Uh, if you enjoyed NES, and we really hope you do, please consider going to patreon.com slash 9to5cc and subscribing to the 9ES Deluxe level where you will get to hear us talk about 14 terrible things that Frank Miller did in his Dark Knight universe. It starts off so good and ends so badly but this episode the main episode the episode you're listening to right now we talk about the quebec election that's a bummer so we talk about clerks three we talk about the original clerks shome rocks admiral cloudberg billy bishop or is it billy barker can you believe there were two canadian world war one flying aces that were both named billy there was billy was a popular name in world war one everybody and we also talk about thor love and thunder uh, we also think about how we're going to maybe rework the list. So if you are interested in being a part of reworking the list, uh, let us know. We'll send you more details on how to do that. Listen now to 90s 271. Bye. Caps Lock with cruise control for bosses. <laughs> Your boss comes on all in caps. You're like, ah! Whoa. <laughs> I better, I better do something. <laughs> Just you see it pop up in, you know, teams or whatever. Just like a little thing pops up in the corner, all caps. You're like, oh no! <laughs> Snap out of it. Uh, do we know the re-election results yet? The polls closed 40 no. minutes ago. It's, it's Quebec election it's, uh, day, everybody. Is, is this like a giant douche versus a turd sandwich I mean, kind of election? so many more than that. There's so many choices of garbage on the plate for you. It looks like for the, you. the Parti Québécois might get totally schooled, though. So early results say that this, yeah. the CAC has 33 elected, the Liberals have three, mm-hmm. and the Parti uh-huh. Québécois has one. Ooh. And the... Mm-hmm. Well, I know, but a lot of, a lot of the Liberal stuff is going to go down to the wire with QS because they're like they're 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 the the alternative to the CAC and depending on how on how you, on how your view is like like I this is the first time I think in in recent memory that I uh was in a like a battleground district where uh it was like if you looked at the last like the 338 um the last 338 poll for the St. Henry St. Anne it was like 30% liberal uh, with like plus minus six or seven percent uh, degree of difference, twenty seven percent QS and twenty seven percent CAC, all with a plus or minus mm-hmm. six or seven. So you're like, that's, I mean, liberal leaning, but usually this used to be a liberal stronghold. Like uh, Anglade is, you know, one of the faces of the Liberal Party. She's the leader. So uh, of the Liberal yeah. Party. That's the thing. <laughs> the, the faces. One of the faces. I just get confused because Quebec Solidaire has two. Yes. They do. They have two leaders. <laughs> that, that there's there's a competition going on right now for the Green Party leadership, and there's two groups of two running, including one of them with Elizabeth May. Oh, Elizabeth May is coming back. Oh, she's trying. Is her Make is so her sure is her, her candidate partner John Gameshi? Yes. No. Her best friend. <laughs> yeah. So the breaking news is it looks like the CAC's going to win on a landslide. More than half the votes that have been counted so far have been for them. I don't think that that's breaking news. I feel that was that was pretty much yeah, the for, that, that was, was the foregone conclusion. This is like one of the most like yeah. disenfranchised votes of like recent memory. Mm-hmm. Hooray! Did they have a majority last yes. time? Are we? Gonna, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not. They're gonna. They're, they're they. They stand to gain a bigger majority. 
but right. they uh, they had a majority, which was that that was the whole whole thing we talked about. Uh, maybe I don't know if we talked about it in real life or in here. on here, but yeah, just like how when uh, when Bill ninety six uh, passed, I was like, man, I feel like Quebec Solidaire just could have abstained and just like. I feel like that would that would have gone a long way in grabbing some English votes from the Liberals, but instead they voted for because of uh, and like in Gabriel Nadeau was like being like we have a complicated relationship with like sovereignty and and language laws and stuff, and I was like, oh, man, Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it's just like I'm like just just say just say that we want to protect the French language, and that's not how we would do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like you can you can play it down the middle, to, and and. And you ha- you don't even have to vote opposed, like because it doesn't matter because it's passing anyway. It was a majority government. They could have just abstained from the vote. But I'm like, every- like the language issues are so politicized that they voted in favor to try not to like mess up the uh, the Franco voting base, which is obviously the obviously the biggest voting base. But the the reason that 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 it plays out that way is because they have to not anger the franco voting base because it's the rural folks whose votes are worth eight or more times what ours yeah. are and so it's like the the essence of an undemocratic system i can i, it's so I, I, lo- I looked this up actually that is not entirely true at the provincial level they are worth yeah. a lot more <laughs> than us yeah. but like you you'll get to a couple of rural ridings where it's maybe like a 2 to 1 or a 1.75 to 1 the, oh, the, the, i'm only worth half of one yeah of but them. like but i mean but on the federal level that that's where you sometimes get like 4 and 5 to 1 whatever like the the federal yeah. the federal lines are are way less uh are way worse weighted than the uh than the rural areas i was trying to find some of the most like lopsided ones uh the last time we had a quebec election and i think and even then those couple that had like those little high scores were few and far between. Like I was looking up like areas like where the cabin is, like La Minerve and whatever else, and mm-hmm. that was they didn't have like a disproportionately larger vote than most of the ridings in uh, in Montreal. So, mm-hmm. so that that's at least something that the provincial elections somewhat have. But yeah, still not great. Still not a good, not a great system. Everybody. Yeah. And then Joe, what did you guys watch? I mean, I I watched so much. I watched so many things. Got so many things. Got all this pop culture content. Got it already. I mean, really? Scott and I both oh. watched Clerks three. That's like that's Ooh, like pretty well, big. I want to hear about that. Big news, I guess. I read your thing, but I want to I want to hear the. I Scott did the, the details. Did he? <laughs> was there a poop joke that was just like I a mean, little too close to home? A little too close to home is is not far. Yeah, not not <laughs> no, about poop no, though. Not about poop. Uh, it was so meta. I think that's the the best short description I can describe for this movie. Like the Matrix Four. Well, I, I, it actually, it's what the Matrix Four like was yeah. aspiring to do, and 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 it and it kind of achieved the goals of Matrix Four better than Matrix Four did. In in kind of doing like art imitating life, imitating art, imitating life. Kevin Smith actually like nailed that balance with more huh. more panache than Matrix true. 4 did. That's true. Like, well, is that saying much? <laughs> it, <laughs> I mean, it hits yeah. it hits nostalgic Sorry, in the right yeah. way. Like the things you're actually nostalgic for, but like adjusting for age. So there, there was an interesting. I read like a thing that Kevin Smith said about it. I mean, I guess we'll get into what the actual plot and, and how it's happening. But he was like, he's like, the film is Clerks Three. I don't need to make it for a new audience. 
He's like, no one who's going to see Clerks 3, like, maybe you skipped Clerks 2, but you definitely saw Clerks 1. Like, no one is going to see the third installment of my Clerks films, like, blind. And I was like, that's probably fair. It's like, they're not doing a wide release on it, right? They're doing, like, limited release. He's touring it. It's going, like, straight to his fans. All that stuff. So I was like, yeah, I feel that that, that's that's correct. So he's like, I don't need to necessarily... He's like, I can assume you know Clerks 1. I don't need to establish Mm -hmm. it. So, yeah, the setup of the film is... uh, In, like, the first five minutes, basically, Dante has a heart attack. Randall has a heart attack. Randall. Yeah, yeah. First five minutes of the film, Randall has a heart attack. And uh, basically realizes that he's done nothing with his life. The film takes place in real time, years... After Clerks 2, excuse me, at the end of Mm -hmm. Clerks 2, they buy the Quick Stop and RST. And uh, by Clerks 3, the Quick Stop is still a video uh, or still a grocery store, and RST is now a weed dispensary run by Jay and Silent Bob because video stores don't need to exist. Died. And uh, yeah, and they just like run the thing. And he realizes that, like, that, while that seemed to be like a happy ending for them in their like late 30s or whatever. Uh, now that they're coming up on 50s, you're like, oh, wait, that still amounts to nothing. We just own a <laughs> shitty grocery store in New Jersey. And so mm-hmm. uh, Randall is like, I'm going to make a film about all the crazy shit that happens to, like, clerks at a convenience store. And that film is Clerks 1. Like, uh-huh. like they redo how they shot some scenes and some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. And, and, like, they, it's basically Randall making the first Clerks movie. Until you... Okay. Until it's revealed that it, it I is don't Randall it. making the first Clerks movie. Like, that becomes... That becomes express. <laughs> is, is that like a he twist? Makes the first Clerks movie. And when he shows it, it's Clerks. Yeah. He's like, look, this is it's the, movie the first movie. Clerks movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's it. Like, when you, like, when he presses play on, like, the, on the screener... It's it's clerks. It's just clerks. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Like yeah, that's awesome. And like even even a bunch of like weird like behind the scene uh, jokes, like the fact that Jay wouldn't dance uh, unless there was literally nobody on like air quotes set, which was you know the side of the video store, and like everybody had to go indoors, and then just like Kevin Smith just had to press record and then run into frame because he's also in that scene, <laughs> and then like because Jay was like, oh, I just like. You know, gonna do a goofy dance and whatever. There's like a, obviously a bunch of like crazy meta, meta jokes where like Dante's like, Randall, you can't just like point a camera at random idiots and expect to make them movie stars. And like Jay and Silent Bob walk in. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, ah, uh, yeah. But a bunch of stuff like yeah. that. Like some d- deep cut references, uh, like Clerks the Animated Series, at least like two or three. Nice. Clerks the animated nice. series references, which I was like, like, and again, like they're buried. Like when they go into the they go into the freezer, and he's like, "Oh man, it's cold in here." Hoth cold, and he's like, "Forget about that." And it's like, that's what happens when they get locked in the freezer in Clerks uh-huh. animated series. Same thing too. They reference where he's like, "Oh yeah," and you burned down the place once, and again, like that only happened yeah, in, the, in the animated, animated series. series. Okay, okay. This is the important question: Is it funny? Yeah, because yeah. no. like all of this could be delivered in a it not funny. funny kind. Yeah, okay. It's it's very funny. They there's a couple of really smart things. Uh, like they they pile all of the obligatory cameos into one scene, yeah. which is the Randall does a does a casting call. Okay. And so it's like they have a bunch of like all 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 their famous friends are are like showing up as like would be actors. Mm-hmm. In New Jersey, so it's like, which is good because then they just like they let it get back to the clerks, without it necessarily being like a complete and insane like Jay and Silent Bob strike back or whatever 
cameo nonsense, including guys. Ben Affleck, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which is which, which is right like on. Well, yeah, they and... were not always friends, so. Yeah, they had a falling out a couple yeah. of years back, whatever, right? Like, really? Yeah. What happened? Daredevil talk? Batman talk? Okay. Kev smokes too much Jersey weed. Jersey girl. Uh-huh. <laughs> I call Kevin Jersey girl. Right. They're, they're also, all the celebrities are, like, <laughs> implied to be sort of, like, aspiring amateur actors, right? Like, it's just like, a, like Ben Affleck is doing a crazy over-the-top Boston accent or whatever and all that. And then just... Freddie Prince Jr. comes up and he's like, Freddie Prince Jr. Uh, trying for the role of Dante. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> which is just like, <laughs> which is great. Uh, and yeah, and the, and the uh, the worst parts of it are there is so I mean spoiler ish. I mean I'm sure we go watch it at some point, but like. Uh-huh. It, it, very quickly into the movie, in the first five minutes, uh, you find out that they basically uh, killed off Rosario Dawson, which is, like, s- shitty, but like Scott said, you got to trap Dante in the quick stop, right? Like, if he has a happy life outside of it, then, like, is he even Dante? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, if he has a, a meaningful relationship with his wife and kid and all that... Like, it's not Dante anymore. This is some happy guy who I don't really care about. Yeah, he shows up to work and it's like, <laughs> yeah, hey, so, I'm supposed to be here today. You don't even know what you're doing anymore. He's not even yeah, exactly. supposed to be there That's today. It. So, like, to to make sad sack Dante work, I think that it kind of makes sense to, like, have removed his happy ending of Clerks 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, Rosario Dawson is still in it, kind of, like, features as, like, a, as a ghost uh, conscious Blue glowy? No, not blue glowy. Just like when he's like extra, kind of. Yeah, like when he's when he's extra sad and messed up, he imagines he's talking to his dead wife. Okay. Uh, And uh, they have absolutely zero romantic chemistry on screen, and and it's the worst part of the film. They they didn't before, and they didn't exactly. They they never did. They never. Yeah, they they did not in two either, and it's like I'm like ugh, I give no shits about them, (laughs) like as romantic leads. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. How, like, and then it it the but like the, the weird like meaningful friendship parts are like pretty pretty touching. Hmm. Scott, would you would you would you would you, would you like to speak <laughs> on 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 your hearts on your heartstrings that were that were plucked so so uh, delicately? Well, I'm by a big Mr. sucker Kevin's for nostalgia and um. Mm-hmm. You know, like living in the past kind of stuff really always kind of gets me. And this movie lives there. It lives in that emotion of, you know, bringing back the olds lovingly. And I will say, I don't think it's crazy to say this is, it's been a while since Kevin Smith has done something lovingly. And I feel like there was a lot of like. Yeah, where it's not, where it's not just jokes, where it's like he was like. You get the impression that he really cares about Dante and Randall as like as yeah. characters. I think because there's so much yeah. of him in both of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're both they're both him and on on different days. So like he seemed to be like he was writing their send off, which I think he probably cares more about than most of anything he's done in the okay. last like ten fifteen years, if not more. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, no it it felt like he was making so. a film again and not just a movie. And that was that was good. I like that. 
was it a great film? No, mm-hmm. but it wasn't trying to be. It was just trying to be more than just disposable entertainment. At least, at least for him, and I think yeah, for his and I think that. Too. At, at... And and like I said, I, th- I think that if you look at Clerks three as a film for people who like Clerks, yeah, yeah. it's pretty good. <laughs> you know, like like that. That's the is it? It's not going. It doesn't stand on its own legs the way Clerks does and can, right? Mm-hmm. Because that, that it's just referring to Clerks pretty much throughout. But if you enjoyed Clerks, I think it's like pretty safe to say you would enjoy Clerks three. It like removes a lot of the stupidness of uh, Clerks 2 mm-hmm. and uh, keep some of the good parts like uh, what's his Elias. name? Elias. Elias? Not Elias. Yeah. The Lord of the Rings fan the, from Clerks 2. The, yeah. Who was pretty funny even in Clerks 2. Like like just like as, as yeah. a weird little like he and absolutely scene, scene steals in Clerks 3 also. Like he's a much funnier and probably better actor than Randall and Dante. And, and Jay and Bob. <laughs> like, and Jay and Bob. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <Yeah. laughs> so th- my favorite part of Clerks, as I'm sure for many people, was like not the character work, but just like the random conversations that felt natural and like stupid shit you would talk about with your friends, but that happened to be incredibly funny. Like the con- the conversation about the contractors on the Death Star mm-hmm. or whatever. Like that shit came. It like did that didn't have to be in the environment of Clerks, but it was just well written and funny and and good. You know, like was there any of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like there's there, there's the while 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 Randall is like going under and or not not going under, but like getting a local or, or stuff and they're they're dealing with his heart cancer situation heart attack. uh heart attack heart attack uh he's like he, he's just like spouting like weird stuff about the mandalorian and whatever and just like talking about uh, what was the man like one of the mandalorian jokes was like really funny i can't remember but yeah like they still like they said there's still still a lot of the star wars talk mm-hmm. uh and all that stuff like those conversations still like pop up and and creep up all over the place so like Mm -hmm. yeah pop like there's a lot of like it is more modern star wars stuff so you might not you know get it oh yeah no that was it (laughs) he's just and he was just sort of like and get this and he's like well he's like well whatever is like standing there luke skywalker shows up and not old shitty luke skywalker from like (laughs) from the sequel movies young sexy fucking fuckable luke skywalker (laughs) to the surgeon. Like, to the surgeon. Yeah, exactly. I, I genuinely do not care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The surgeon gives gives no no fucks as he's like just regaling her with the like the full apparently a full synopsis of the Mandalorian. That's amazing. Um uh also like and there there some of some of even the the lowbrow comedy kind of lands like at one point he doesn't want to have his like his his underwear taken off because he's like I got a really small dick, and I've been telling Dante for the last twenty-five years that my dick is huge, so I can't like. <laughs> you know, it's like like that's pretty like chuckle worthy. And then like afterwards, mm-hmm. the surgeon is like, and, like Mr. Graves, I want you to know that you just you have an average sized dick. Like it's nothing special, but it's average. And he's like, wow, that's the greatest news I've gotten all day. And they're like, better than you've survived your heart attack. <laughs> it's like it's a strong I, one too. I really liked mm-hmm. Jay and Bob running the dispensary but still standing outside the store and like palming the cash, very slyly handing the guy his weed. <laughs> the guy's like, this is 
legal and weird. He's like, man, this is how we do business. It's great. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> they they also re- had they they I think had my favorite. They reenacted obviously like my my favorite single J moment of all of the series, which is when. At, like, because they, they they redo the I don't appreciate your ruse, ma'am scene. Obviously, mm-hmm. like ah, the filming, which is yeah. which is a great which is a great scene to begin with. But the the punch yeah. of like him hopping off the thing and being like, "You're not allowed to rent here anymore," and then like just Jay, <laughs> yeah, just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I was like, yeah, I was like they they obviously the stuff that they kind of decide to reshoot is some of the more iconic stuff. Like mm-hmm. uh, like they redo Salsa Shark and whatever else and uh, I was I was also like sh- shocked that mm-hmm. they dug up that Veronica like and like hats off to them as like I don't think she's done any acting in the last twenty five years and it wasn't like she was a great actress in Clerks or anything but it's like all she had to do was be that character again so it's not like it was awesome. it's not like it was inconsistent with like yeah. her previous performance. I'm not- they dug up a couple guys actually, like Walt, uh, Walt Flanagan. Like, again, and, people and who have like Johnson. And... Well, yeah, but those guys are like those are yeah. those guys are Smith's boys. I'm saying, but like, like mm-hmm. the, the weird jock guy is still the weird jock guy, and like he hasn't yeah. done anything. Like that is the single most Jersey thing I've ever seen in my life. Just tears off his shirt. Hmm. Uh, they also reference the original yeah. ending. Where he's like, wait, wait a second. I, the, the guy, he's like, and then a guy pulls out a gun and shoots you in the face. And Dante's like, what? What? That's a real dark way to end the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, I liked it a lot. I had a good time at that movie. Yeah. I, I went in very, very low expectations. I have not liked a lot of his stuff mm-hmm. lately. And uh, this week I watched Clerks again. And was like, man, this movie's still good. <clears throat> Yeah, you know Marilyn Gigliotti, yeah. Veronica has uh, has had a, had had roles all the way from 1991 to 2022. <laughs> Who could forget such films as Flesh Eaters from Outer Space, direct to video, 1998, oh. or Snowball Effect, the story yeah, of Clerks, a playing her strength, well, obviously. a documentary, <laughs> uh, or Alice in the movie Roadkill. Also direct to video. You're right. She hasn't done much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I would. Uh, I I appreciated it. I liked it. I I thought that Kevin Smith showed like un, unexpected restraint, nuance, and like Scott said, kind of like love to give the characters like a, a an appropriate send off. And I think and, and like Scott hasn't really I think necessarily fully discussed on the pulling on the heartstrings or whatever but like yeah like these guys are coming up on 50 and that sucks mm-hmm. <laughs> and like and all of the weight of like looking at your life when you are like pretty much firmly in middle age gentlemen i think we should rank mm-hmm. this movie we can do and it and clerks we can rank clerks i don't think clerks is on there i'm sure clerks is on there i don't think it's on there that's weird uh, how to it's not how to there. rank Clerks? Okay, so Clerks three. Let's let's get that out easier out of the way. Really easier. I think it's going to be easier to rank. Okay. Uh, I believe Clerks. This sounds like pretty successful, but just still not great. I mean, it's not uh, excellent, but it's great. Does Clerks three go? 
right above the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> it might. Yeah, it that's might. good. That's fine. Um, I like that. What's above the Mighty Ducks? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm seeing if I can get past anything else. And like, What number is the Mighty Ducks at? Yeah, like a... That's that's eighty four. That's still pretty generous, right? You're saying it's better than Pacific Rim or uh, The Descent or Child's Play. I mean, for because of the characters that I love so much, yeah. Like that, like I was saying, like, it's definitely getting a nostalgia boost. That's that's. Yeah. I was like, that's and, what and I, it's I was a, like. It's a tight script. Like it, it seems like he mm-hmm. actually put the work into balancing nostalgia and pandering. Like that's. We've seen a lot of movies that can't do that. So, mm-hmm. for Kevin Smith to do that with a movie about corks, that's pretty good. Ugh, Force Awakens should be lower. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh! I, I, we're going to talk about it right after. I have the pitch for how we're going to do the re-rank mm. show. Um, uh, yeah, because I was going to say that, like it, it, it. Force Awakens, it like. In theory, it has to kind of go above Force Awakens. Like, look, look up a little bit. Like, <laughs> no, it, it, can, it can go above Ready Player because... One at seventy-four. Yeah, but I don't. I wouldn't put it above. That's what I'm saying. But like, so it could get above Ready Player One, and I was like, it might go right above Force Awakens. And for this reason, in that it is a derivative sequel that just like plays nostalgia, and I would argue it does so better than Star Wars: The Force Awakens. <laughs> Uh, but then you're getting into like, like I can't see it getting past say Hunt for Red October, Sneakers, Rogue One, Edge of Seventeen, Naked Gun, Quiet Place. Like I don't see it getting into that territory. That's... Like mm-hmm. those are all fine with me. Good movies. Yeah. Put it there. Seventy two. Seventy two. Congratulations! Right, you are just a, a smidge above the Force Awakens. I mean, that puts it above some good movies. Yeah, and and I mean, but yeah, like, but the thing, driver. the thing that, the generosity that I'm willing to give Clerks Three is that like, Clerks One is like one of my favorite all time films, and like holds a special spot in like my nerd geek heart, and like opened up the idea I think of independent film to me as a oh, kid in yeah. high school, and whatever can, else. Can, like, can so, you have a like movie? A, and it, and because it delivers like a suitable send off of the Clerks. There's like a a little like rocket boost on its butt because I wasn't uh-huh. mad at it. Like I put Clerks too, like damn near the bottom of this. Like just despite the fact that I thought parts of Clerks two were funny, I'm like Clerks two was not like done with care for those characters. They just basically made another Silent Bob film, Jay and Silent Bob film, but it was Dante and Randall. Like that yeah, was the it, problem it, with Clerks two. It had a long donkey sex joke that was not mm-hmm. funny then. And it's, it's not funny Which, now. I mean, but like, and not not to say not to say it would ever be funny. But in a Jay and Silent Bob movie, you'd yeah. be like, whatever. It's meant to be lowbrow stoner stuff. But like, the clerks are kind of like grounded in reality, right? Like in a way that like di- banging a corpse. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, so for ranking clerks. Mm-hmm. Ranking? I'm just going to start with Big Trouble in Little China at 35. Man, they're right in a bunch of movies that I love. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. It's tough. I, I still think it could even go higher, that, but it's a good place to start. I'm going to I'm gonna say I don't think it can go past T2. 
Terminator 2? Yeah, no, I don't think... That's at 19. Clerks... I think that's a hard ceiling. Okay. Could Clerks get past it? T2. I know, T2 is an extremely good film, but at the same time, Hackers is above it. Oh, no, it's not. Hackers is down at 22. No. Yeah, yeah. I would probably put this in that area. like... Like... Yeah, there's extremely good movies above it. Oh, Dunkirk, though. Dunkirk is good. Uh, yeah. That's way high. Dunkirk is yeah. so good, though. Yeah. It's something else. Okay, like, anyway, Dunkirk, so is, I, again, I Dunkirk, say... I think, pulls high because of... It's like a master class of, like, just shitty war cinematography. <laughs> like, All right. Anyway. Let's, let's, uh, let's compare it to the thing. Yeah, almost independence, kind of genre changing. Mm-hmm. The things that it does, it does brilliantly, but also has obvious flaws, and and leaves you walking out of the movie being like, the thing that I just saw, and then that scene that I just saw, and then that scene that I just saw. I would yeah. I would put it right underneath Parasite. I think above the thing. Above the thing for me, anyway. Right. And I, and I mean, like I. I know you you have special love for the thing, but I, I John Carpenter never really, never really did it for me. Like I appreciate, I appreciate his. We need, we need to his... put in, in the mouth of madness number one. <laughs> I appreciate what he does in horror and stuff, but again, I was like, the weird, insane flaws like come unraveling. Whereas like, there's nothing to unravel in Clerks. <laughs> like you're like, well, as long as you're willing to concede that it was shot for ten thousand dollars, and you know, like give give away cinematography, you don't have to do any of that. You don't have to do any like the, will, the camera work is it's, basic. It's black and white. You know, I will say this: get... the most annoying thing with Clerks, having having watched it this weekend, was the weird chapter titles. Man, that is film school nineties black and white film school. Like, yep, yeah, and it's yep. you watch it now and you're like. What? Oh yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> and that, that don't thematically fit at all. They're, they're yeah. Just vocabulary words. <laughs> they're five dollar words. The oh my god! But like, I'm actually okay with it going above the thing and under parasite as well. I think I think that's where it belongs. I I think I, that's just semantic for me. <laughs> I, I will lump them together. In a, in, a, in a way. Clerks above yeah. the thing. I mean, yeah. so there's no berserker in the thing. And his love for you is there's, ticking clock. There's no flamethrowers in Would clerks. you like some making fuck? You might have Did benefited you just say making from fuck? Uh, the, yeah, infinitely. Infinitely quotable. Mm-hmm. Like, try not to suck any dick on the way to the parking lot. Like, it's there's... <laughs> In a row? My girlfriend sucked 37 dicks. In a row. I used to. to... In, a, in a row is a joke that I say to people who have no idea what I'm Semi-weekly. talking about. Semi-weekly. Anytime you hear a large, like a number in the, oh, in the yeah. 30s, do you know what? Happens. Do you know what bus I take to work every day? <laughs> 37. In a row? 37. Every single day. Oh, man. So, I used to, so to, to fully, fully, fully date myself, you guys. Are you ready? This is this is the most '90s. Haven't you been trying to date yourself your whole life? What? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. 
So, yeah, here we go. The most 90s thing that I used to do was when I burned CDs of MP3s that I downloaded off of Napster and LimeWire, I would have, like, little, like, clips of audio, often from Mallrats and Clerks, as, as, In as interludes <laughs> on my CDs. And if that ain't the most 90-ish thing in the world ever, burning CDs off of Napster with Kevin Smith quotes and as interludes? Yeah, I was like... It, it dates you only because you weren't making tapes doing the same thing, because I think I might have made a couple yeah. of those. But, I mean, it was hard to, it was yeah. hard to get movie files on tape. It sure was. <laughs> it was the... uh, someone didn't hold their boombox up to the television screen. <laughs> Click record at just the right time. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. You notice there were two fingers to click record because you have to hit play yeah, at the exactly, same time. It. And it's also like a yeah. like a safety feature. Like you can't just push record down. Like that button sticks, baby. Mm-hmm. I used to make tapes. I make yo, bro. I make tapes. But I like the the infinite access to music of of Napster and and LimeWire oh, yeah. Lime mixtape so much easier than like waiting waiting for the radio station to play the song that you wanted to record to tape. Calling in the radio station and requesting the song and then waiting for it and then recording it. And now you're like, got it! Wasn't it Shom who would put a whole album on in a row and, like, tell you when to hit yeah. record? Yeah, I mean, they, they still – they, they used to do that and they still do that too. Like, Sunday nights they do uh, classic album sides where it's like they play, like, side A, commercial break, side hmm. B. That's it. Like, Awesome. They, oh, man. That's a good DJ job. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> press play wander out yeah exactly Is it just come back in time for the end of side a right yeah get hamburger enjoy and they also do a little contest of it too so it's like it's a brand new vinyl and they like well it's not usually a brand new record but like and then they give away the vinyl at the end of it so you get a vinyl that's been played like once hmm. on there and then you can get a lot of like classic stuff that they they do i don't know if they still do it but they were at least up until the last time I listened to Some on a Sunday. They were doing classic vinyl Sundays. They they, they did it as I think the lead into their what's his name that that uh, what's his name Bach, the Bachman, Bachman Randy Brandy Bachman's Randy Bachman's rambling yeah. radio show like an old man <laughs> drop a name yeah, dropping like the, with I'm the best of them. dropping out of Timmy's in Saskatoon. She did blow. <laughs> Such a bad show. <laughs> So I've actually been listening to a lot of Shome recently, so I actually knew about all this. You are a dad now. (laughs) I'm a dad now, and I have to... It's actually okay to introduce the little guy to... to, Well, I introduced the boy to, to like, random classic Mm -hmm. rock that you wouldn't wouldn't think about, so that's that's Mm -hmm. all right. And, um... Uh, that guy who's doing the vinyl show is always like, oh yes, and this album, which here sounds so crisp and best when played Mm -hmm. on vinyl. And we have such shitty speakers. You know, I'm just imagining his beautiful sound system set up and then it broadcasts (laughs) through the air. (laughs) Exactly. He's sitting there in studio listening to like the perfect sound. Crystal. Yeah, exactly. Also, so which which one's it going to be, John? Are are you going to get into smoking your own meat or learning about World War II? Oh man, it's definitely World War Two. I got books. I actually read a book about World War Two in the last couple. Weren't of years. you also like, <laughs> like, like actively reading about like the history of airplane crashes or something? Like, was that? Oh, I I found this website. It's not well. This website. It's this guy who's who goes by the moniker of Admiral Cloudberg, mm-hmm. and he posts in-depth technical analyses of plane crashes. <laughs> You might think this doesn't sound interesting, but it's fucking fascinating. And he goes Every into like the exact details. 
He has like two hundred of these, and every one is like not short. They're like like a like thousands and thousands of words, and he gets into the exact engineering failures on the planes that cause mm-hmm. the crashes. Man, planes are complicated. <laughs> there are so many, so many parts. Yeah, you think in your in your head you're kind of like, okay, whatever. There's some engines. The wings push the air in the right in the right way, and then it flies. How how, how complicated can it be? Turns out. <laughs> Really complicated, and any one of those tiny little things fucks up, and everybody yep. dies. Yeah, airplanes, man. And so, ha- having read hundreds of these, okay, n- like ninety-nine percent of the time, something goes wrong technically. The the pilots don't react properly, or don't know how to react properly, or are prevented from reacting properly by other mis- malfunctioning mm-hmm. equipment, and then it crashes and everybody mm-hmm. dies. That that's the that's the story of plane crashes. Well, it was like there was that that there was some sort of a a statistic or whatever. I forget which war or armed conflict it was, but it was like literally like the only planes that crashed in the conflict were shot down. Which you're like, that should be like statistically impossible or whatever. And they're like, no, man, just like army boys know how to fly planes. And they do way more often than like than commercial airline pilots who are just learning on their iPads and whatever else. Like, And it's I, I had this stuffed in the bag for a garbage time when we had nothing to talk about. But I read a book about the um, this guy, William Barker. You ever heard of that name? Bob Barker. Willie Spilly Barker. Spain neuter your pets. No. So How's Billy the, Barker was the 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 most decorated Canadian veteran of all time. He had a fifty mission cap. Do you want to take a guess what he did and where he what he what he fought? Tried to make an aircraft carrier out of ice. Uh that sounds pretty awesome. So where did Very he fight? Canadian. Uh I'm gonna say he was in Korea. Nope. He was in World War One. Uh-huh. He was a fighter pilot. <laughs> who was the best fighter pilot, I think, in all of the Allies. Hmm. So after there, there was like the Red Baron, who was busy fighting on one of mm-hmm. the fronts. So Billy Barker never actually flew against him. He fought mostly, he fought a little bit in, in France, and then he fought in Italy, and then he went back to France. And then he went in a single fight against something like 15 German planes and got shot down and on like the last day of the mm-hmm. war. And then... It's like kind of a tragic story because he's terribly injured and he becomes an alcoholic and he tries to found like an aviation. A lot of the like fighter pilots from World War One went on to found flying companies, just like having nothing else to do with their skills. I read this book about about his life and his experiences and about what fighting pilot fighter pilots were like in World War One. Kind of after um, Scott, we talked about like extreme survival stories of uh, whatever exploring the South Pole. I thought this would be like are, a similarly interesting story. It was amazing. Are you, it was. Are you sure it's Barker and not Bishop? Uh, Billy Bishop, maybe. Billy Bishop is the the Canadian flying ace. Oh well, then it was Billy Bishop, and I fucked it up. Billy Bishop, okay. the Canadian hero of World War One. I. I also love that just like the the whole like how yeah. <laughs> how fighter. Pilot- I was like, there's there's two Canadian fighter pilot from World War One. Like it's Billy Bishop and and Roy Brown, and uh, did not on, recognize Barker. Talk about something fun. I'm going to be right back. I have the book on my. Well, <laughs> Billy Billy Bishop was credited with 72 f- victories in the air. That's nuts. Like, I love that's that that's a crazy ace. I love that uh, five kills is an ace. What do you call it? That like how like fighter pilots started was that just that they were like the planes were just doing recon, just like flying back and like flying back and forth over the like engagement zone. Just doing nothing, and then eventually one of them was just sort of like pulled out a gun and just like started shooting with a handgun at the other one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like, can you just imagine being like, "Hey, Scott. Hey, Keith. Still, still a German? Yeah. 
Still Brit? Yep. Just driving by each other, like, yep. every day just taking photos of the things. And then finally, like, like, man, screw you, Scott. Bang, bang. Son of a bitch, he shot at me. Pull out your gun. Bang, bang, bang. 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 <laughs> and we're like, let's, let's, let's figure out how to, do, how to do this better. Also, man, I think the, the scariest scariest thing of those, like, World War One fighter planes was the machine guns that were timed to shoot between the prop as the prop spun. Right? Like, how is that the best option? I was like, what do you do with these wings and stuff? <laughs> like, put it up, put it underneath. We're, we're just... Okay, I, I we're we're discussing, John, how insane it was that the timing... Like, the machine guns that t- had the timing to shoot to, to shoot between, between the, the blades. blades. And you said, like, hey, you know what? Anything could go wrong on a plane. Now let's add shooting a machine gun that will fire in between the propeller as it spins, like, at a couple thousand RPM. Oh, no, no, no. It was it. It was Billy Bishop. Yeah, so the, the he, they talk about the these guys who... The, the guys who were successful at flying often were engineers because at the time the like the the, sh- the planes themselves were so mm-hmm. simple if you had engineering skills and you went and you heard something wrong with the engine you could go and fix it yeah. yourself which if you could not do that you were in a lot yeah, of yeah you're like trouble. wait there's a weird clinkety clank in my plane I gotta go deal with that clinkety clank so it don't stop flying and die. <laughs> They talk about the technology, like when the the planes these dudes flew in were the ones that were like you you imagined it's like an open mm-hmm. cockpit with like you know two two floors of of wings beside them and some of them this is crazy the engine would spin inside of the hull the the, the fuselage of the mm-hmm. plane so it, the whole engine would spin and if you were turning left that rotational energy would make you spin three or four times as fast as if you were turning right. So, like, people flying against those planes would learn. They always went to turn in one particular direction. Mm-hmm. The wacky, weird, crazy shit. And most of the time, guys died before getting to five kills. Yeah. And Billy had 50-something. 72. 72. The thing, the thing though, of, with that 72, they talk about it in the book a lot. It, inclu- it's, it includes all aerial things shot down. Of which many of them were balloons, because balloons were really, really important for spotting in mm-hmm. World War One, and um, and it's like kind of like, kind of not totally fair to put balloons on the same category as fucking dogfighting <laughs> with with, with uh, German aces, yeah. you know. Yeah, later on I would agree, but when your gun is shooting directly at your propeller. <laughs> Even, I'm ready to give him so the pass. He didn't. He didn't have that. Sometimes he carried a fucking yeah. pistol. Like that was the, or like you have a machine gun, but the guy in the back is carrying, and then the guy in the front yeah, flies. That, that, that's what that we're saying. Like the, like the OG were just like planes were at first just reconnaissance until someone pulled out a gun and just shot at the other guy that he was flying past every morning. You know, like yeah. Oh man, yeah. We we were at when we were at the the Smithsonian uh, Air and Space Museum. I think that we we saw a couple of those guys. Right, like the. Like Red yeah. Baron, like I guess Billy Bishop, a couple of the other ones too, where you're just sort of like, you look at like some of the other guys where you're like, oh, look at this great distinguished uh, fighter pilot with like eight confirmed kills, but is like considered a, like a goddamn hero. <laughs> you know, yeah. and like these guys were like, hold my beer. Just like, and you just, the, I, like, what's crazy. Yeah, I was going to say, but I was like, you can just also just right. imagine that, like, like you said, most guys are like crashing or dying in like their first two missions. So, like, how many of these yeah. dogfights end up to be like, I'm Keith, and I'm ready to go. I'm going to fly my plane for, like, a great Canadian thing. And then you just, like, you end up against the Red Baron. It would literally be like, I skate up my, like, I'm like, here I go. Like, lace up my skates to play some hockey, and my first match ever is against Wayne Gretzky. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, oh, no. (laughs) 
Twist, the loser yeah, dies. Exactly. That's <laughs> so sorry. Yeah. Like even yeah, you've, got just a, like, you've got a clear lane, Keith. You're skating. You're skating, and it's oh, Dino here Chara. comes Gretzky. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like just like even just handling like G forces and like in 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 climbs and dives and stuff. Like you're probably like, oh, I just want to barf because I've never experienced this before. Whereas the forget G forces. Imagine that these things would go up to twenty thousand mm-hmm. feet, and you were there in in like a leather jacket with goggles yeah. on. It was it wasn't a hood that was closed, so you'd be you'd be dealing with lack of oxygen yeah. during your hours of flying and freezing your hands off. In addition to to like getting shot mm-hmm. down. But these these planes couldn't even go that high. Yeah. Which you know when you're flying over the the freaking trenches, the guys on the ground could just take shots at you. Also true. And did. <laughs> yeah. I th- I'm pretty sure they mentioned 20,000 feet was kind of a ceiling. Just, just and I, popping yeah. right through your, your canvas airplane bottom. Yeah. Like, ugh. Let's never become uh, World fighter World pilots in World War I. One. Uh, maximum yeah. height of a biplane. Maximum altitude of a biplane. Wow. So apparently... They they, they say that they could go get to about eleven thousand feet. Okay. Yeah. So and Bishop's plane was mm, the stop with camel, right? Yeah. So they're saying so yeah, we like had a couple <clears throat> biplane seventy five miles an hour. Oh, no, Roy Roy Brown was the stop with camel. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Seventy five miles an hour, which is fast, mm-hmm. and eleven thousand feet in the air, and uh, trying to trying to shoot at each other. Man, this is totally a show for dads. <laughs> <laughs> Talked about a movie from the early nineties, and now fighter planes. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about because I I watched him the first time I think in a very long time that I watched a movie twice in like the span of three days, and that movie was Thor: Love and Thunder. <laughs> The internet hates it. The internet it. despises it. I watched it on Friday by myself up at the cottage. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, maybe I was uh, drank a bottle of wine myself, but it made me cry twice. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe misty-eyed uh, twice, and really? then yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you. I mean, I'll tell you exactly when both times. And then I was like, Sarah would really enjoy this. It's it's full of it's quirky, funny, and heartfelt with like oddly like oddly good performances when it needs to be and then sarah watched it and sarah was a few really terrible ones yeah but (laughs) anyway and then sarah watched it and she was like oh yeah this is like one of my favorite marvel movies ever as sarah i wouldn't necessarily put it into my my favorite ever but it is currently if you look at rotten tomatoes on the tomato meter ranked as the second worst marvel movie movie at like 64 percent only beating out the Eternals, which is dog shit. Uh, it's not even close to that. That is completely not true. There are many worse Marvel. And movies. I know exactly, but like on that list, they have it below Dark World and below Iron Man three, and like, yeah, like that's that's a garbage take. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not just a garbage take, dude. That's 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 aggregate. Those these are aggregate reviews. Like people review bomb the shit out of it. It's fine. Anyway, so the two moments that I cried at were. Uh, when Chris Hemsworth just like so matter-of-factly states because I love you to Jane like it, it's like it's mostly the his acting as Thor is just completely preposterous and over the top and the way it just something about that and the fact that she was dying and whatever else 
just like like struck me as a man in love. Wait, isn't she Thor? How does she die? Well, I mean, I don't know. You're gonna watch it. No. <laughs> so the like Mjolnir is like keeping her alive only when she is Thor, right? Which is like pretty yeah. consistent with the comics. Like they're taking a couple liberties here and there, but like OG Thor needed a cane to walk and did not need that cane when he was Thor. So it is like yeah, it gives you great powers, but it doesn't necessarily save your mortal coil from uh, from dying. And the the movie kind of adds adds a little bit to the uh, the the in the tenseness of all that saying that like because it's actually like drawing she's not a god and not a magical being it might actually even be like accelerating the cancer in her motor coil while she's in uh while she's in thor while form. she's in thor form but yeah so that that scene choked me up a little bit and then the the, uh, the second time that choked me up a little bit was right at the very end when uh thor and uh the daughter of gore kind of have their little their little dad and daughter scene. I was like, "Oh." <laughs> Thought that was that was pretty cute. I yeah, I don't know. Does Beta Ray Bill show up? No. No. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, no, I like I He can show up in I liked it a lot. I was like I was I was again expecting maybe cuz my expectations were so low from the like people like it is absolutely too much Taika Waititi. But mm-hmm. if you like Taika Waititi, that's fine. Like, because because the goats are fucking funny. The goats are fun, and the and it's it's a this they do a thing that like is pretty rare, which is they they introduce two giant screaming goats, and you're like, haha, that's funny, and then they stick around for the whole movie, and you're like, I get annoyed with them, and I'm kind of mad at them, and I'm like, I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of over, back. but then like in like in like the climactic scene, they're like, Rah! and you're just like, <laughs> <laughs> they made it <laughs> exactly. And then when he just casually, he was just sort of like, so then we escaped in the goat boat. <laughs> I was like, yes! Like, there is so much, and, so much Taika Waititi. In- and Tooth Nasher and Tooth Grinder are comic canon. They're, they're <laughs> in they? the comic books. Yes, they are. They're not screaming goats like from the YouTube clip, <laughs> but they're, they're giant war goats that Odin uses to haul his chariot around so they show up and it's just, I also love oh, the goat. <laughs> but I also love the, the, the alien like like leader is just sort of like and uh, you have to take the goats because they were a gift and you accepted them so get out of here. <laughs> they're just like and they're just like shoving the goats onto the Guardians of the Galaxy ship. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, very, very funny. I and and I would say the the only thing that kind of fell flat on the second rewatch was when they go to omnipotent city like what's that yep that's exactly the the big slowdown of the whole thing yeah it's where it's like a city where the gods hang out like and it's run by zeus Mm -hmm. and like and russell crowe zeus is also very funny but it drags too much he's not that yeah exactly it's it's it's, if he had if that was quicker Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I mean, it arguably could be cut out completely. Like, like it's just they they go to Omnipotent City, and the only thing that kind of ends up happening is they uh, they steal Zeus's thunderbolt, and that kind of becomes important because, like, it's just it's such a played out um, Monty Python wannabe bit. Yeah, of mm. Zeus just kind of like hamming it up. Yeah, being like, you will not crowd. be invited to the orgy and like whatever else. Like, it's uh, yeah, very. Yeah, not great. But yeah, cut that yeah. out, and I'm like, it's a fun, very fun film. 
Yeah, no. <laughs> my my one of my favorite parts was um, Valkyrie is just a nihilist, yeah. fully and completely, and fully fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Not in the we're all going to die and everything is awful, so I do anything, but in the yeah. I I'm going to die and I kind of want to die. But I need to do it the right yeah, way. Yeah, to, like, to rejoin my other sisters, like the the rest of the Valkyries. Like they establish also like firmly that it's like yeah, you, it's not just every Asgardian goes to Valhalla. It has to be like dying in battle. Like with Sif, she's like, "Let me go to Valhalla." <laughs> Thor's like, "I have bad bad news. You're, the the battle's over. If you die now, you don't you don't get there. Maybe your arm is in Valhalla because your arm was cut <laughs> off, but you won't get to go there unless you die in battle. Like." The battle's done. She's, and she's like, mm. she's so disappointed. <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, Fuck. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That, that's funny. Uh, do you still rollerblade? <laughs> it's very funny. Very funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, like, there's a lot of weird rom-com stuff in it, but it's, like, done, again, full of, full of Taika Waititi. Gore was fine. Gore was fun-ish. Like, uh, no, I didn't like Gore. <clears throat> That was the big thing with that movie, and it's the worst of all the superhero movies. You did not agree with what he was doing and could not see. I could. Gore, Gore was the bad guy? Yeah. I thought you the could God, see why sure. Gore was doing what he was doing. You literally, every god we meet in the no. film is a piece of trash except for Thor. And he's like, his whole purpose is... And he, all the Asgardians. And but they're all dead. Asgardian. They're all dead. Dave... Right? What all of the Asgardians? What Asgardian gods are left? They're all dead. Dave. <laughs> what? The, all the Asgardians are there, including the actors. Even yeah, no, but they're not gods. They're, they're Asgardians. I don't think you're automatically a god if you're Asgardian. No, they just never went to Earth. It doesn't mean that they're not the same race as Thor. What do you mean they just never went to Earth? They're all on Earth. They're all the new Asgard. Asgard is destroyed. No, I mean, I mean to become legendary. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if they, if they were all gods. That fight in the in New Asgard would have been like way different. Like the only people who could hang were Valkyrie, Thor, and Thor. I don't think they're all gods. I think Asgardians are aliens. I think like Loki and Thor and Odin are gods. Uh, oh man, that just brings me back to the play. Also, hilarious. also very funny. Matt Damon. This this Sam Neil. Yeah. <laughs> as Odin. Sam Neil is Odin. Sh- Matt Damon is Loki as Loki. <laughs> And then, like, at and one point, the, like, he's the like... Third Helms- it's the third Helmsworth brother that's playing Thor. Yeah. That's why he looks like him. <laughs> so, like, they do, like, New Asgard has become kind of a uh, a tourist attraction. Like, because the Asgardians, mm-hmm. like, come there. So, like, there, there's New other... Service, like, yeah. see, like, those Asgardians do not have powers. Why are they doing, like, stagecraft? Those are... Those are they're Asgardians. But they're not... Yeah, they're super strong and super tough. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're just aliens. They're not gods. That's my... Thor's not a god... Yes, he is though. He has worshippers. No, just he, yeah. But he came to Earth a long time ago. It doesn't mean that. Yeah, but I'm like playing fast and loose with the rules. Anyway, I think Asgardians are aliens, and then they they have gods as their leaders. That's that's what I got from the impression of the film. And lit- but literally, they're all every god is a trash person because not only does he beseech Zeus, he does so publicly, and nobody helps him. So I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. Gore kind of has a point for the most part. Like, yeah, are, are some. Maybe a handful of good gods going to get killed if he wishes all gods out of existence? Maybe. But we see hundreds, if not thousands of them, not give a shit about the plight of their other gods or be actively shitty to their followers. 
I, I honestly was like, yeah, Gore's got a pretty good point. It's like the beginning of Gore's, uh, Gore's uh, introduction is um, as he is about to die, he gets to meet his god, and his god basically reveals that there is no afterlife and that just worshippers for him are stupid, and then he'll just find new ones. And then uh, he gets imbued with, like, the Necrosword, which is a god-killing weapon. And then he decides uh-huh. to try to get go to the center of the universe to use his one wish um, to wish... How does he get a wish? If you get to the center of the universe and you open up the portal with the Bifrost, you get to meet one of the Eternals and get a wish. You know. <laughs> cool. <laughs> like Dragon Ball. One of, one of the elders of the universe. Elders of the universe, Eternals. yeah. That's right. Eternals are different. Yeah, right. <laughs> one of the yeah, the elders of the universe, known as Eternity, who will grant you one wish. Uh, and then he was obviously going to just try to like his plan was to just wish the gods out of existence. And I was like, I don't think to Scott's point. Scott Scott thinks that they're. Eh. I'm just saying, like we see thousands of gods in the film, who then like Thor is like, someone's killing gods. Can we stop them? And they all decide to do nothing. I was like, yeah, like I get where Gore's coming from. Maybe they're all nihilists. Maybe, but I'm just saying. But, but like, Gore is kind of like, I'm just going to make the world where we don't. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying he doesn't have a point. I'm just saying, it's not one of the great villains. He's absolutely not a great villain. But for like, you implied that he was like, dumb, dumb, the the dumb, dumb from Guardians, the first Guardians bad guy. Ronan the accuser. Yeah. He was not. Yeah. He was not that bad. Like he actually, he had agency. He had motivation, and also he had a, a story arc that, all, like, where he did redeem himself when he kind of like saw the power of love, which was also stupid. I liked it. <laughs> well, because he's doing it like he's like they, he's like my daughter died and they did nothing, and Thor's like, instead of killing the gods, you could just bring her back. Like you got the mm. wish, so he's like. With your magical god powers, Ugh. I don't know. He but adds, but they also imply that he's dying, also, right? Like he he gets the one shot. He's not going to live forever, right? He's dying in that scene, so it's in line of like he wants to wish all the gods into non-existence, or he could probably wish himself alive. But he's like, that's no life. So instead, I'm going to wish my daughter back to life. I didn't hate that either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. I mean, it was fine. It was just, it was a lot like um, Doctor Strange. Just, if if the bad guy had thought about what they were doing for a little bit, they could have reached a logical conclusion. Of what? Saying I get rid of all the bad gods? Yeah, I need my kids back. Okay, let's destroy everything. Right? No, you could have just gone and gotten some kids. No, I don't think he even was, I don't think he was doing it. I don't think bringing his daughter back was even in his mind as a possibility until he saw like how much Thor loved Jane. Just like Wanda wasn't thinking in her mind that she could just go to a world where yeah, Wanda yeah, died yeah, and exactly. the kids are alive. I thought I thought this was like, less stupid than that. That was that was very yeah, stupid they because were... they like in that in in Multiverse of Madness they established infinite realities where anything that you've ever dreamed is reality. So I I'd imagine a reality where my I died, and the kids need a mom. Like th- this was this was less stupid than that, and I thought that that was kind of like, just like I thought it was sort of like I liked that it was kind of anticlimactic. That you're like with everything, he was just like, oh, yeah, I'll give my daughter a, a shot. <laughs> like also the goddamn use of Guns and Roses in that movie was amazing. Very funny, and also every time, every time it worked. <laughs> yep, <laughs> just like... just nonstop. <laughs> 
Like easily, John, easily five or like six seven... needle drops that are all just Guns and Roses. Guns and Roses. <laughs> apparently they filmed like apparently they filmed like half the movie or half a movie with the Guardians that got cut. Really? Yeah, they were like there was like twenty to thirty minutes of Guardians content that they cut out. I was. I swear to God, when they're getting ready for that last fight and they they get all the kids the weapons. And freaking November rain starts with the orchestra building yeah. up. It's like, <laughs> why is this so good? This shouldn't happen. And it doesn't pay off unless you've used all the other GNR tracks yeah. everywhere else. Uh, oh my god! Also, Thor's uh, Thor's relationship with Stormbreaker and Mjolnir is so great because, like, because Mjolnir is shattered, right? Like, and that's why mm-hmm. he ends up having Stormbreaker in the other Avengers movies. Blah 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 blah. But then yeah, it, Hella crushed it. Hella crushed it in um, Ragnarok, yeah. and it like it reforms uh, for Jane Foster, and like they kind of established that like the Thor's love imbued it, and like Thor was like take care of her and whatever. So the it's a sentient hammer, so like it reformed to try to take care of her dying, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously Thor's like it's Mjolnir. He's back. And he's just like super into it. And he's like half the movie. He's always trying to like summon it. Like he just like had like the scene. He like reaches out his hand all like subtly. And it's just like he's like, come on, boy, come to me. Return to me. <laughs> and just like from off camera, like Stormbreaker just slowly floats in. And he's like, oh, Stormbreaker, I was just summoning you. <laughs> he's like, well met. And just like takes the ass. Like... <laughs> It would just lean around corners when he was Yeah, you just see <laughs> the axe just kind of like tilts in and is like sulky that he loves Mjolnir so much. Uh, it's a great dumb superhero. Yeah. Movie. I, yeah. There's, there's, there's things that I could pick apart about it, but not enough to push it to the bottom and, of the and, and on top of that too, I was like, to me, I was like, there are a million things to pick apart in basically all of the MCU movies. Like we're, we're into the realm of just, just yeah, like yeah. in the comics nothing it's got to make sense anymore <laughs> you know like like you're yep. if you start thinking about it too much it unravels but you're also like oh yeah it's a comic book movie that's fine and so like you can do that Does, to love russell crowe's decision to be a modern greek accent to play zeus <laughs> god damn that's weird and great and he's gonna be in it again he's gonna be back yep. <laughs> hercules is back uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's the like you can pick it apart for I think all of the normal weird some logical flaws that I think all the superhero movies are kind of looking at, but then you can like amplify it by it's like I think at least the at least the third funniest uh, Marvel movie, at least maybe the <laughs> funniest. funniest? Do, do you guys want to rank it? Like. I like. I... Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we go there, so this is my scheme oh. for correcting the mm-hmm. list. Okay, we each independently, without talking to each other about it, come up with a list of ten movies that we feel need to be adjusted, mm-hmm. and we get the audience, <laughs> if anyone is listening, I think that... to suggest <laughs> ten movies that that need to be adjusted. Wait, people and... are going to listen to this? No. Probably not, but oh, but we could open that door. If people wanted to submit a list of ten movies, we would then look at those four lists. First off, whoever who, you know, the, the like audience list would be aggregated into one top ten in the same way that our three in that will be we compared. Would get one top ten from the audience. 
Probably, mm-hmm. but if we if we don't, we can aggregate them. And the scheme for aggregating is that if you know, like if the if the list if if a movie appears on more than one of our lists, it it goes higher. So if if like two of us pick one movie and then none of us double up on our list, then we're going to talk about that movie that two of us picked first. Or if all three of us pick a movie, then we're gonna we're gonna duel with that movie first. And so we'll go in descending order of like number of picks between the audience and us, and. We'll go through however many we go through, but we come with ten each at least. That like, you know, mm-hmm. we better put yeah. aside a whole episode for that. Cause I that'll... think it's a whole episode, and I think it could actually be pretty fun. And we won't know what we're going to talk about until we, until we actually like sit down and compare who's got what on their list. And I think we should try and and like promo it as much as we can. Give it like a like a this show, and then garbage time one or two, and then the next show. And we'll like start at the beginning, and be like, hey guys, submit the, the things for the list to be changed. Because I think it could be fun. Uh, right. And I was right. It was fucking Billy Barker. You clicked at the wrong one on Wikipedia. And but there's, also, I was but right there's also, also a Billy Bishop who's a World War Yes, there's also a Billy Bishop. And they, they knew each other. And then the I was also right about 20,000 feet. I remember that number because that was the height of Kilimanjaro. So I knew what the air was like that he was up mm. in. Uh, it mentions that he gets up to that height. And it also mentions that final battle that he had in Wikipedia of fighting against at least 15... Enemy oh, yeah. So, but if, if the fixed yeah. wing 1949 flight altitude record was 71,000 feet, that's insane. 71 is like there is. That, but, no, that, but that was that. That's, that's the closed ridiculous. cockpit. That's the, that's the World War II fighter. Like yeah, um, that, yeah, that's closed and pressurized, yeah. so it's really not the same thing as a fucking exposed. It's still pretty nuts though. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm looking at prop planes. Consider that Everest is 9,000 meters. Mm-hmm. In 19 so. Excuse me. In World War Two, the flight record of World War Two would have been, I think, thirty-one thousand feet. That's nuts. <laughs> Nineteen, like. Anyway, okay. So I don't know if you want to rank this or the not. Eleven Thunder. Yeah, we could. Yeah. Oh, the Cauldron yeah. was a biplane. The Cod, the Cauldron G four. Someone went. Uh, da, 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 Twenty-six thousand feet in nineteen sixteen. Oof. That that seems. Very shitty. Uh, yeah, you want to rank Eleven Thunder, Scott? Yeah, sure. Above Star Wars: The Force Awakens. <laughs> All right, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, number thirty-nine. It, How is that so high? It's, it's good. I rewatched it. I it is not as good as the first I mean, one. That's that's Keith. Keith loved that one way more than than the rest of us. I mean, it was all right, but is, does it deserve to be up there with, like... Oh, well, actually, it's it, that's not a great spot right there. <laughs> <laughs> How are all these movies so high? Uh, I don't know. I mean... We like comic books for good. a bunch of nerds. Spider-Man, Home, Spider-Man Homecoming was good. Song of the Sea was good. Spider-Man Far From Home was good. a whole lot there. Logan was good. I like Logan a lot. I still like Logan. I think about that movie every now and then, being like, "That's a weird." I thought you were movie. gonna say every night. You guys <laughs> need better things to think about. No, no. Every now and then, I, I'm I'm thinking about superhero movies because we do this freaking podcast where we talk about movies, and I'm like, Logan was. I can't believe they made that movie. Like, it's so. You heard that weird. that uh, he's it's not his last Wolverine. I yeah, heard. he's coming back. For, the little um, clip was then. delightful, though. Which is Ryan Reynolds being like, "Oh man, like we, we take it super seriously, and like we're we're just like waiting for like the right script and the right whatever." And he's like, "I'm I'm kidding. We have 
we have nothing. We've got nothing. Like it's there's the, the well is dry. Except there is this one oh, idea. <laughs> hey Hugh, you want to be Wolverine again? <sighs> sure, Ryan. Whatever. <laughs> just like walks over <laughs> and he's like, yes. Yep. Uh, I don't know that that's I mean, and the implications obviously I think are what's most important about that right is that it's in that trailer MCU. he says it's in the MCU so it's not just Deadpool coming to the MCU it's also Wolverine which is actually two famous X people and maybe we'll finally get the X Men into into the the one downside to that no and this is a serious downside is Hugh Jackman has been a great Wolverine since, like, 1999. Mm-hmm. It's not the worst thing in the world to have started thinking about who would be the new Wolverine. Yeah, but... Considering but Jackman you, is, like... The thing is, though, I agree. You know, it doesn't age. I agree. And the multiverse the chance. multiverse allows for a new Wolverine. But, like, the, 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 bro, the bro-ship of Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman needs, like, a proper Deadpool Wolverine occurrence that wolverine one is for not sure <laughs> like yeah like th- those guys are, are good friends in real life and i think they deserve they deserve a buddy wolverine deadpool film that is not the wolverine <laughs> absolutely so that that's why i'm like i was like if, if wolverine shows up and, and dies by the end of it and then we have another wolverine because of multiverse it's fine i don't th- i don't want him as the wolverine moving forward but i do think that yeah. those guys should have that movie <laughs> I, I agree. It's the MCU part that's the sticking part. For yeah, me. but because of multiverse, it's no problem. He doesn't need to be the Wolverine of the MCU, right? Because mm-hmm. <clears throat> he is the Wolverine in the Deadpool verse, technically. Like those those movies do exist in the X Men canon, sort of. Except Deadpool. Yeah, no, because he goes to Professor X and he's like, "I'm taking you back to Professor X," and he's like, "Wait, <laughs> like which one?" <laughs> And and they're both the ones from the Fox films, so clearly yep. he exists in that universe. Uh, okay, uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. I think it is below Black Panther, below Avengers: Endgame, below Princess Mononoke. But now we're kind of getting into that territory. Annihilation. I would probably say it goes underneath Annihilation, maybe. Very funny. Office Space was very funny, and that's at sixty-one. Yeah, it was more heartwarming than Office Space. <laughs> it's but the Office Space doesn't have the the fast pace yeah. of like if if it didn't if they didn't go to Omnipotent City, it would be a very like it, it's still it's two hours. It's not it doesn't like overstay its welcome too much. But boy, if they cut that like. 50 minutes of Omnipotent City and it was an hour 45, I'd be like, mm-hmm. this is one of the funnest, zippiest Marvel romps they've ever done. But it does drag out there. The whole thing, the whole thing. they don't even need the lightning bolts. Yeah, they just need another weapon in and around it. They could have just been... Some mission to finish off Mjolnir to like fully forge it solid. Or something. I just... <laughs> Zara was just like... <laughs> or... Like we, because we were we were uh, we we were fan 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 booking how to remove that scene, but still kind of make it funny. Where he's like, I have no help or whatever, like blah 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 blah, and I'm like making a team, and he was just sort of like, it's 
off camera basically, but he just like he just calls the guardians and asks them to steal a weapon, and then they show up later and they're like, "Here you go," <laughs> and then it's just done. <laughs> like, which would have been just like hilarious of being like, "What are you guys up to?" And they're like, "Don't worry about it." And they just like they just he gets gets a special sword right. for Valkyrie they, at the end. They they could have been like, "We're going to Omnipotent City." Cut. Russell Crowe as Zeus. No. Cut. The three of them running out of Omnipotent City holding the Thunder. Would have been very funny, also. <laughs> Just like, go, go, start the engine, go. We didn't we didn't need the anthropomorphic bow bun. As cute as he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, could, have, could have been done. Um, yeah, but I think this is the zone for it. Office space is around, is right. I think under office space, above the crow. Number 67 is Deadpool. It's funnier than Deadpool, and Deadpool's also not heartwarming in the same way. Deadpool did not make me, did not tear jerk me for a single moment. I don't mean to tear shame you, Keith, but it wasn't. (laughs) But you're going to. I mean, like we started off this thing talking about how, how Clerks 3 made me all misty, but. I don't know. I, I think maybe I it's because I love my wife more than you love yours, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> that was literally, I was like, if Sarah was dying, blah, 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 blah. And that was, that was what, and it made Sarah cry also. Without me, like, telling her about the scene, she also cried. Because we love each other, Scott. We hope we don't get cancer. I mean, yeah. I, I, I hope you guys don't get cancer either. Exactly. <laughs> love us more. Yeah, no, I think... Okay, do you, you want it below Deadpool? I could go below Deadpool. I think it's... Be- Just around, around there. Well, yeah, that's right? what I said. I'm, I'm like, we're in the... We're, we're five apart, right? I'm talking about 62. You're talking yeah. about 67. So I think we're in the correct zone. There, it goes under Naked Gun, because Naked Gun is funnier. Perfect. I love it. The new 65. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think this was... Nah, yes. All right, if you're listening to this, start thinking about the list. Go to 9to5.cc slash the list. Look at the movies. And we'll figure out how to get you to vote ranked. on it. I think there's a way. We're oh, going to yeah. do a Survey Monkey. Remember us? Survey Monkey from Serial? That's MailChimp. Thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show. That means you're our number one fan. As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now. If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks, like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those. Or you could just you know, send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us, John. If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you can get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of know what we're doing. Not really. 9to5.cc. <laughs> Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.